Welcome to Lamestream here on the 440 Sports Network. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on the Twitters at Braden Gall. My name is Steve Cavendish. You can follow me on the Twitters at Scavendish. If you like this show, rate, review, nay, subscribe <laughs> to the show. And, uh, you know, tell somebody. Just tell tell one person. That's all we ask. One person. It's it's not a whole lot to ask, frankly. Um, it's it's really it's really not. John Freeman is going to be our guest on the show today. Another exit interview. Uh, like I think this is our third exit interview. Um, he's the, the former voice of Nashville SC on radio and MLS and on television in the USL. He was going to be the play-by-play voice of the Belmont Bruins. He's, he, he's the nearly formal voice, uh, former voice <laughs> of the uh, Belmont Bruins. He was scheduled to call the games all season long for Belmont, uh, but has taken his dream job. He Lane Kiffin'd the Belmont Bruins and is moving back to Virginia where he is from. He is an alumni and he's going to talk a lot about his story. Uh, an incredibly thoughtful, hardworking, uh, just uh, I'll be honest, a friend of mine. And I'm, I really just enjoyed the conversation. Can't wait for you guys to hear it uh, before we do that, Steve. However, we'll have ratings and recommendations a little bit later on in the show. Lamestream sports is brought to you by. Uh, is it Jasper's checks? Email? Yes, yes. In fact, it is Jasper's. And oh my if, God, it's Jasper's this yeah. week. And if you listen to the Fringe Element podcast, which I recommend all people doing on Wednesdays with Stephen Godfrey, Aaron Dugan, and myself covering SEC football, if you care about all things SEC, it's definitely a show for you. Um, I was worried that maybe Jasper's wasn't, you know, going to stick with us after listening, <laughs> listening to Aaron Dugan do an ad read. So, so go check it out. Oh my God. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's say we're pushing the boundaries. They're the next evolution of the sports bar. You know, they're reinventing the sports bar. We are the next evolution of the ad read. (laughs) (laughs) There is no question about that. I'm just not sure if we're, if we're progressing or regressing. (laughs) I'm not really sure, but go check out the podcast. It's a good listen. Also check out gold standard Nashville predators, Adam Vingan and myself out every Thursday as well. So make sure you check out both of those and go to Jasper's. Because the food is amazing, the parking is free, they got great happy hours, especially during Preds games, uh, where you can get a $3 beer and a $10 smash burger during home and and road games. They've got new flatbreads, new menu items, a lot of cool stuff there at Jasper's, constantly evolving, as they do over on West End. I I appreciate the game menu. I got a beer, I got a burger, I got a game. They've done the work for you. They've simplified everything down to everything that you want. Beer, burger, game. It's, it's well, what do you want? It's the Josh Heupel offense in sports bar form. That's what it is. <laughs> that's, that, that's what it is. Uh, so uh, John Freeman is our guest today on the show, Steve, and we'll get right into the interview here pretty quickly. But I just uh, I, he's an incredibly thoughtful guy. And there's a lot of themes I want people to pay attention to. I think one of them for me, Steve, is pay attention to the things he was willing to do to put himself in the right position to take advantage of an opportunity when it presented itself to him. And he did a lot of things that I don't think the average person would do. Uh, John, also one of the things that one of the things I've really enjoyed about him, uh, particularly on the Nashville SC calls, is he's very enthusiastic. His calls are, I mean, soccer soccer calls on the on the radio and on TV run this gamut of of being kind of very staid to being just like completely over the top, yelling goal for forty five seconds after you know. After yep. people have already started playing the game the other direction, <laughs> his his enthusiasm and love of the game comes through on those calls. If you get a chance, and we mentioned this later on on the Club and Country podcast, they uh, this week they there is a compilation of his of his a bunch of his goal calls. They're very fun. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about them kind of in the middle of the interview. But really good guy, uh, excellent broadcaster. Thrilled for him, and uh, I'm sad for Belmont because I think he would have been a really good play by play guy. Yeah, I think a, a lot of things here, through lines for him, um, hard work, um, willing to do things, as you mentioned, the passion, the enthusiasm, preparation. Um, I, I think we're going to talk about the soccer world and the broadcasting world inside of the soccer world, both the United States versus the world. We're going to talk why, why Americans don't get chances. <laughs> yes. Uh, we'll talk about sort of his departure from Belmont and, and, uh, their search of course, and his return to his, uh, his alma mater, the Virginia Cavaliers to be the voice of, uh, of, of a school that he loves deeply. So a lot of things with John here, uh, like I said, incredibly thoughtful, uh, love talking to the guy. hope you guys enjoy it. Here's our conversation with the new voice of Cavaliers Athletics, John Freeman.
John Freeman, it is great to see your face, hear your voice. Although we won't be hearing it as frequently as expected. Good to have you on the show, Jay. How are you, man? I'm good. I'm upset that I'm no longer your Inglewood, East Nashville neighbor. But uh, life comes at you fast, partner. It sure does. <laughs> so uh, let's. I guess we'll just lay out the, the situation here. Um, John was scheduled to be the play-by-play voice of the Belmont Bruins and is now no longer going to be the voice of the Belmont Bruins. He's been the voice of Nashville SC soccer, both on TV and in radio, both for the USL and for the MLS. And he is now the official voice of the University of Virginia sports, where you went to school. You Lane Kiffin'd Nashville. Tell us how it <laughs> happened. Wow. Um <laughs> yeah, I didn't have a, a child and name it Inglewood and then leave or something a, a year after. <laughs> but, um, nevertheless, excellent. excellent. It, it's been a wild, wild uh couple weeks. Um I was in the middle of Nashville SC season. Uh, we're close to the end of it, uh, and being prepared uh to to call games for Belmont was absolutely enthused excited and in love with that that concept and had every intention of doing both of those jobs nashville and belmont for you know as long as i could could do them for um and then i got a call on a sunday night from the former voice of the virginia cavaliers who who i knew um, and he said i i might be taking a a job in the nba and i might be leaving as early as tomorrow and there's a game next saturday and I'm going to give them your name. Um, and before you know it, I was calling a game uh, between Virginia and Louisville two hours away on a Nashville SC off weekend. And that led to another game and that led to another game. And I'm never really thinking I would actually get the dream job uh, of, of calling games where I grew up in my alma mater. And um, before you know it, you know, a few weeks later, I um, do a, do an interview. And two days later after that, I get a job offer and, uh, here I am uh, in Charlottesville. It was a, a mad dash out of Nashville. We still own a home there. And um, we obviously have to, my wife and I have to do a more formal transition and move, but it was get the job on a weekend, drive 10 hours to Charlottesville, call a game on a Tuesday. And, and I'm here indefinitely to call some basketball and football games. Did, uh, did you know it was a tryout or was it, or, or, or not? I mean, what, how did, how did you approach those games? I approached them as if my entire rest of my life depended on them, <laughs> uh, which <laughs> was true. Uh, but in the same way, Braden, hopefully you can corroborate this because we were partners uh, back in USL. Uh, I love prepping for games. It's there, There's no game too small um, that I, I don't prep a lot for. So um, there was nothing different there. It was just some added pressure and, um, UVA was very clear. It's a national search. And, um, I know what that means. These jobs are, are tremendous jobs being the play by play voice of a school and, um, hundreds and hundreds of people want them every time they open. Um, so when you just looked at the odds of getting it, um, somewhere below 1%, uh, I, I was just thinking to myself, I'll call these games. I'll do the best I can. If it works out, it works out, but I want to be present and enjoy them too. You know, how often am I going to get the chance to call games for my my alma mater? So did I know it was an audition? Um, no, but uh, I knew that if I you know, did them properly and did them well um, and people like the product, that would probably help my candidacy. And it did. Well, and I also think, um, first of all, having worked with you, I can attest to, to, to your work ethic and how professional you are. So even even as a blatant homer in this situation, there, there's still an obligation to do the job really, really well. And that is not necessarily the case with, with Belmont. And so through the interview process for both of these jobs, can you kind of just take us through what that was like for Belmont and then what the conversations were like having to go back to Belmont and say, listen, this is a once in a lifetime thing. I never expected this. I'm really sorry, but I've got, I've got to do this for me and my family. Sure. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go over all that. So uh, the, the interviews for Belmont, I, I'd known Belmont since I'd gotten to Nashville. Um, six years ago, my wife accepted a job at Vanderbilt and and I followed her. 
I lived in Charlottesville and had developed a lot of broadcasting gigs and, and leads um, that I essentially left behind to move to Nashville to, to follow my future wife. And when I showed up to Nashville, I offered to take um, every single sports information director of schools out to lunch. And only one of them accepted. Uh, and that was Greg Sage of Belmont. Um, and he actually paid for lunch. And he said, you want to meet for lunch? I think we met at Chagos right outside Belmont. And oh, So you uh, didn't, didn't have to go far. Not Jasper? Yeah. Come on. And, what's that? <laughs> and he said, I don't have anything for you. Um, but I've listened to your tape. I think you have some use in this city. And I will put you in touch with a lot of my colleagues. And he put me in touch with Lipscomb which led to Lipscomb soccer where I worked with a person who eventually worked at Nashville soccer club in Austin Gwynn, um, who was instrumental in hiring me for Nashville SC. Um, and I think back to that meeting with Greg for lunch, he didn't offer me, uh, he had nothing to offer me and yet he was gracious enough to meet with me. Um, and that relationship, I remained firm for, you know, five years until, the Belmont gig came open with Kevin Ingram and um, I was very quick to, to tell him that, you know, that's in my opinion, you know, the top basketball job um, in the city and that I wanted it. And I went through the interview process and um, was awarded that job and was absolutely thrilled to get it. Um, and then here we are a few months later, you just can't choose when the opportunity of a lifetime comes Um and I made them aware when I was actually doing my final interview at Virginia because um, it, the timeline was so fast with Virginia. And um, I didn't want to tell them truly on a you know, Saturday that I'm not going to call the game on a Tuesday. So they were aware that I was the final interview. And uh, I'm so glad that, that you're even giving me the platform to talk about it uh, because I want people to know how good Belmont is to people. Um that athletic department from the second I got that job was so supportive and so kind um, and just genuine um, in welcoming me into that community. Um, and they were the same way when I made a very quick and curt exit to, to join Virginia um, to the extent where I remember telling Greg that I was interviewing in the final interview. And he, he, he said, that's your dream job. Uh, go get it. You know, you deserve this. Uh, and that's crazy. You don't get that in college athletics. College athletics is so high pressure in so many places um, for them to step aside and just understand the human element of this, of me having the opportunity to, to call my dream job place where I grew up. Um, they got it. Um, and their kindness and, and just willingness to, to work with me and, and even support me uh, on the exit um, and just say, you know, we'll figure it out. Uh, it means so much to me. Um, there's a lot of things to to lose sleep over in this whole transition. Um, and, and Belmont uh, made it so easy on me. And um, there's so many talented broadcasters in Nashville. I, I'm sure they've got lots of options that are probably an improvement on me. And um, whoever the next person is, uh, I guarantee you, they'll feel the exact same way about that school. It's a special place. On behalf, can, um, well, can you confirm that there were people outside of your house uh, burning things when you decided to leave? Uh, <laughs> I mean, my wife, had, we have a fire pit in the back. Does that count? <laughs> on behalf no. of Belmont, on behalf of Belmont alums, you're dead to us, John. And uh, yeah, and screw off. Yeah, man. get Virginia's out of here. going to fire me on the tarmac in three months. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I thought it was a hell of a run you had with the Bruins, John. Okay, it was. <laughs> You know, it's a good time. We all have, and I don't want to make light of it because I I know it's put them in such an awful spot. Uh, And I understand that. And they've been so gracious. I'm out forever. Be grateful for them. Um, I'm undefeated. (laughs) That's the Belmont (laughs) broadcaster. uh, More than Belmont could say right now. Uh, uh, That's a tough loss uh, against Ohio, but credit to them for scheduling it. Going to Ohio to, to face a team on the road that, beat Virginia last year in the NCAA tournament. I didn't I mean, tell didn't they're they're Scott Corley. They're pretty, fe- they're pretty fearless on that, on that early season kind of scheduling. They'll, they'll go anywhere. Yeah. Do anything. I, I told, I called Scott Corley um, when I accepted the Virginia job to, to personally thank him and, and go over some logistical things. 
Um, and I told him before we, we hung up, I was like, you know what this means? Belmont is going to meet Virginia in the NCAA tournament. <laughs> and Belmont may win that game. Uh, and I told him this. And karma will come 360. Uh, and he will absolutely have every right uh, to give me a, a really good smirk from across the court wherever he's watching. So let's go back to the, the, the being put in touch with Lipscomb soccer and how it all develops into, the, you know, your work with Nashville SC. Um, did you train like through J school? Like your background is, is sort of unusual because you have sort of a day job where you're doing other work, but you also have, you're obviously talented enough and, 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 and good enough to be the, the voice of a, an, an ACC power five school. And like you said, people keep these jobs for 30 years. Like people, I don't, I don't mean to like, put you out here john but people die in these jobs like they they have them until they're dead because that's how much they mean to people and i you know your path to getting to mls on the radio and usl on on tv like can you try to explain the things that you did that got you to that point because i don't again you're not sort of classically trained coming up through the classic ranks of of a traditional broadcaster Am am i wrong about that i didn't go i went to virginia um, and I was a media studies major, but that's not a, a that's a studies media. It's not creates media. Um, so no, I was never, you know, in school taught, you know, that you need to give a time and score every three minutes or how to look at a camera, uh, when you're on a television broadcast, but I always just picked up jobs. Um, I'd go anywhere and that would allow me to call a game. And I did that for the longest time. And uh, as my broadcast career continued, um, I found that if you're experienced, you uh, will be able to get an opportunity when it comes to you. Um, and I think about the pathway to the chair that I'm sitting in now in Charlottesville, um, and it, it is a real avalanche of opportunities that have hit me over the last six years. And um, one of them is I grew up in Crozet, Virginia, outside of, of Charlottesville and went to UVA soccer games as a kid. And UVA soccer games as a kid meant I was watching the Claudia Reynas of the world and Chris Albright and Bruce Arena was the coach. Um, Tony Miola was the goalkeeper, John Harks, like all these massive names in US soccer. And I was paying $3 to go watch them um, as a kid. And then in the summer, they were my camp counselors. Um, So how many American kids have that access to that level of the sport growing up. Um, and then that transitioned into me knowing enough about soccer to call it when I was at Virginia as a student and then further on. And um, before you know it, you know, I moved to Nashville. There is no professional soccer team in Nashville when I move. Um, and then within a year of moving, the USL team gets announced. Uh, and I emailed Chris Jones. Actually, I think I Twitter messaged him. Um, the, the general manager of Nashville SC and said, do you need a play by play? Here's my tape. I actually have tape of calling soccer. And I don't think there are many people in the city that had experience calling soccer. So when I think about just the timelines of, of how things happen, uh, I, I'm lucky. Um, but it, it also means that I spent a lot of you know, weekends and, and days grinding, calling soccer games to get the next opportunity to, to call professional soccer. And then that professional soccer led to this. So that's the way the sport works. You have to be able to pounce on any opportunity, but the way that you get that, that opportunity when it comes up is um, by grinding away and getting experience before you even know where it will lead. I'm interested since you, since you've done both TV and, uh, and radio for soccer, they're different muscles in the sense of, you know, you on TV, it's a, very much a cap. I mean, you're captioning things versus and versus you have to provide a lot of more description on the radio call, kind kind of paint a picture. How hard is it to kind of transition between those two, and 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 where do you, and does it change how you prepare? Um, it never changes how I prepare, um, but it, it is much different in the sense of of radio. You just describe everything. There's there's nothing too small um, to be described. So if you get a whiff of goal smoke, 
after a goal uh, and you smell uh, what that, that smells like, that's something you describe, you know, the color of the blades of grass, the way the sun hits off the, um, the kits of the team, all of that is um, eligible to be described. Um, you'd sound like an absolute fool if you did that on television. Uh, <laughs> it, it's a different I, challenge. I think you could said. do this. You could do the, it smells like eggs in here on TV if you wanted to. I think you could do that one. <laughs> No, uh, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's, it's different, but it's still the same. It's still the same game. Um, I will say in TV, you're um, just so s- kind of strapped with um, having to, in a way, host the game more than you are um, giving the play-by-play of it. Uh, in a way, you're a presenter, uh, which is a, you know, actually a term that's used. Um, in a lot of places that you're presenting the game and um, the storylines and in radio, it's, it's pretty simple. You know, you describe what you see and there's not a lot of thought of when and where um, to interject description um, like there is, there is in TV. Planning on specifically, uh, you know, you're going to have touchdown calls, right? It's different in basketball where you have, um, you know, just a constant flow and ebb and flow and back and forth and lots of points. I'm trying to explain this to my five-year-old last night when she was upset that, <laughs> that, that Tennessee was down two to nothing. I was like, honey, you've watched too much soccer. There's going to be a lot more points <laughs> scored in this game. <laughs> um, and, and what's interesting is you have to be prepared. And we've talked to, to Tony about this as well. And a lot of other people, like you have to be prepared and have some idea of what you want to say. Cause I know you, you went with the honoring uh, the course of the great John Ward with the give him six when, when Nashville SC got to six, like there's some of that and the banks of the Cumberland, you've got some of that prepared, but how do you know how much of it to use and when it fits the moment and when it's the right amount of energy and passion? Like how, how does that work when you, when it comes to preparation and, and writing out some ideas that are loose and then knowing when to use them and how to use them and in the right moment? Honestly, I don't know. Uh, sometimes I've gotten it wrong. Uh, I'll listen back to some goals and be like, that that was too much or that timing wasn't right. And then sometimes uh, I'll listen and I'll say it on the air and be like, Ooh, I don't think that really went well. And then I'll listen back and be like, okay, that, that, that fit the moment. Um, it's a constant, constant struggle of, of how do you match the game and um, the moment and, and hopefully that your words accurately you know, hit um, when a big moment comes and um, I've had some hits and misses uh, to be honest. And uh, it's just part of something that you develop as a broadcaster. There's, there's no system for it. Um, it has to come out of, of instinct of um, being able to sense a moment and not going too over or too under. Um, I, I do get this question a lot of, you know, do you, do you script things? And uh, my answer is, is yes and no. It, it, it really bothers me in this industry sometimes is that you'll read interviews from commentators that talk about scripting as if it's, you know, cheating um, and say they never do it. And then you watch their broadcast. And when a goal comes in, they have five straight alliterative words to describe that goal. And I'm like, you didn't come up with that on the spot. <laughs> like, you're not telling the truth. There's no way. Um, and I'm humble enough to say, I can't in a massive moment come up with prose off the top of my head. I'm not smart enough. Um, but if you give me a week to prepare for a big game, um, I can think about, gee, if something happened in the 92nd minute, where Nashville scored a big goal, um, that's not a, a crazy surprise to happen um, because they do it all the time, it seems like, in USL. Um, I've got an idea of maybe something that I would say um, in that moment, and I think a lot of broadcasters do. Um, one of my favorite calls of all time, and Cav, you're a um, big European guy, so you might remember this call, is um, Barcelona versus Roma, Champions League, maybe half a decade ago, maybe even more. Um, Roma is at home, goes down three nothing to Barcelona in Champions League. No way they can come back. I mean that that Barca team was out of this world, and Roma ends up scoring to go ahead at home. And Peter Drury, who, in my opinion, is the best commentator that's really ever walked the earth, 
he says, Roma have risen from their ruins, which has so many meanings to it. Um, like literally, the city is built on ruins. Uh, and then he hits the alliteration and just the, the pace of it and everything. And I, I would imagine that's not a call that just pops into his head the second the ball goes in the goal. Um, does he have a list of scripted calls when that happens? No, but I think probably in the back of his mind, sometime during that week, he thought, what would I say if Roma scored with five minutes to go in that game to go ahead? And that's how I approach a lot of the big calls. I want to have an idea. Um, I want to be able to improvise some, um, but I also don't want to go into a game completely naked and thinking that I'm going to be able to come up with something profound that fits the moment when it happens um, and just depend on, on my brain to come up with it because I know my limitations. <laughs> I ain't that smart <laughs> for does, sure. Does that mean you're screaming banks of the Cumberland in, in your bathroom? And like the wife is like, dude, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> no, I, um, it's funny. I, I actually, um, like she's like, dude, we're in Westmead. Stop that. <laughs> no, I don't actually practice anything, right, no, um, <laughs> but I do a lot of good calls come to me when I'm exercising really hard, it's a really strange concept. Um, so if I, I'm on an elliptical somewhere and like the heart rate is really high for whatever reason, my brain kicks into overdrive and I start thinking about big moments and I have a, a list on my phone, um, that I, I keep. And it's about 400 phrases long of just things that pop into my head. Um, banks of the Cumberland is one, um, bedlam mayhem, like just words that maybe one day would be a good fit for, uh, for a broadcast, I keep them on my phone and every once in a while I'll go back to that list. And if we're coming up to a game that it, it could apply to, yeah, I might write that on my board to have to use and, and hopefully remember if the moment comes. So I want to talk about the Cincinnati call for a second, because that cracked me up about it just about as much as anything. <laughs> a, you never expect to get six goals in a soccer game. Never. No. And B, it was such a, it was such a bizarre game. You know, they, they Nashville gives up two kind of cheap ones early. Uh, they're down, they're down three, one grab, grab another before halftime. And all of a sudden it's like, there's a bunch more goals in this game in yeah. the second half. And then second half, they just fucking blitzed Cincinnati <laughs> to the point that it was like legitimately embarrassing for Cincinnati. I mean, it was just, it was, it was just, I it mean. was just, it was great. It's Cincinnati. I mean, it was Cincinnati. <laughs> but but the first of all, you're not a Tennessee guy. You didn't grow up with John Ward. Where the where did the give him six thing come from? Because yeah. I laughed so hard when I heard that. It was fantastic. John Ward paved the path for some of the calls that I made while I was at Nashville SC. And to be honest, he paid the path for um a lot of people in broadcasting in this country. Um, John Ward was descriptive. I've, I went back when I'm, I moved here and then got the Nashville SC job. I actually went back and listened to a lot of John Ward broadcasts because I knew how much people adored his style and his broadcasts. And I also knew that was my audience. Um, and if I can provide, I would never be able to be compared to him, but if I could provide um, some sort of, of something similar um, in, in the calls that I made, I thought it, it would be appreciative uh, or appreciated. And when I think back to him doing the calls when he did, this is way back, um, when a lot of radio was really uh, almost newsy uh, in the way that play-by-play -play, uh, was, was distributed. It wasn't emotive. It wasn't descriptive. It wasn't creative. Um, and he was all three of those things, emotive, descriptive, and creative. Um, so that call and, uh, you, know, you deliver it in a conference room at the radio station. So it's not like this is some, you know, <laughs> amazing, beautiful, significant place, but on the that banks of the was, Ohio. Yeah. That, that call really was a, a tribute, um, to, to him, to the path he blazed, to the people who care so deeply about his calls and, um, it was also for my partner, Wes Bowling, who's a, a Tennessee grad. And, uh, I remember saying it and he sits directly across from me at a conference room table because we're calling off of a monitor 
And he just started cracking up. Uh, and I knew I, if I got that reaction from him, maybe it, it would be similar to, to people like you, Steve. Lamestream Sports, Steve Cavendish of the Nashville Banner is brought to you by Jaspers. <laughs> See, you thought I was going to shout, didn't you? You were wrong. Why. I don't know why that was funny. That was not funny, but I found it funny. Go to Jaspers, everybody. The parking is free over on West End. Of course, the food is amazing. The happy hours are great. You can get a uh, $3 beer and $10 smash burger during Preds home and away games. They also have, listen, Steve. We talk about what Jasper's does for the community, for the people of this great nation all the time. They are, they are challenging the, these epidemical norms. Is that a word? Is that a word? Did I just make that it, up? It's why they're the next evolution of the sports bar. <laughs> yes. So parking epidemic, challenged uh, happy hours that, that really aren't that, that special. Okay. Specials that are special. Ha- Jasper's has got you covered. Bar food that is exceptional. They now are a sports bar that serves great food because they're in the next evolution of the sports bar. I got another one for you. We're having some Christmas gift supply chain issues in this country, right? Jasper's is even trying to tackle that issue because you know what you can do at Jasper's? You can spend a hundred Find gifts for your for, for, for people that love good food? <laughs> yes. You buy a $100 gift card. They're going to have some flash sales, so you could probably get it for 20% off if you pay attention. Follow them on the Twitters. Follow them on the socials at Jasper's Nash. They're going to sell some of those gift cards at 20% off. So you get a $100 gift card, which is a gift for someone in your family that you love. You know, you, you get 20% off and they will then give you a $20 gift card to use for yourself. So selfishly, wow. selfishly, you are not only solving your Christmas gift supply chain problems in this country, but you are also getting something for yourself when you buy a gift card from Jasper's. Amazing. Is there nothing they don't do? They also evolve their menu. Steve, I'm glad you asked. They have new flatbread pizzas and shareable items the big cheese sticks it's what they're called the big cheese sticks mm-hmm. i can't have wait. my attention i, can't, I cannot mm, all right I, I, can't, I cannot wait to go try the big cheese sticks can't wait to go try those i'm me and my daughter's big cheese sticks fan and i don't care if that makes me like a, a you know an 11 year old i think they're wonderful i think fried cheese is delicious and i can't wait to go try them here are the new flatbread pizzas and i want you to judge i want you to give me uh, what what kind of scale should we use here to judge your excitement to try the new flatbread pizzas? Let's do uh let's let's do a one to ten scale. One to ten scale. All right, this one's called Hippies Unite. I don't even know how to say this first word. <laughs> P- Off to a roaring start here, people. P- pisto, 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 p i s t o u. I I know food. Why do I not know this word? Uh, comfy mushrooms, spinach, roasted garlic, caramelized onion, red bell pepper essence, all on a flatbread pizza pretty delicious sounding to me that's a solid six okay solid six i would i I would like to try this okay that's good (laughs) go to jasper's uh barbecue pizza pulled pork green onions barbecue sauce boom done 10 (laughs) it's in the no no you need to bring this one down a notch because i haven't gotten there yet okay 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 so 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 this is this is thoroughly in my wheelhouse the betsy pepperoni Goat cheese, mushrooms, banana peppers, red sauce. Ten. I'm gonna say eight. I'm gonna say eight. I like to go. I like to go like a little more sweet than hot. I'm I'm intrigued by the banana peppers. They're not spicy. I know, but okay. I'm just saying. All right, goat cheese. It's my wife and I are on a big goat cheese kick right now. So very excited to see goat cheese on a. You could do worse. Flatbread. Uh, all right. How about this one? The Mexican street corn flatbread. Very creative. Queso, roasted corn, salsa roja, cilantro, poblano cream, queso fresco, and then you can add chorizo to it. Wow. Right? Uh, eight, eight and a half. Okay. So you're, going, half. So you're going barbecue one, uh, oh. Mexican street corner two, Betsy three, Hippies Unite four? Uh, that's, I think that's how it lines up. Yeah. Okay. All right. And the Hawaii five, was, they've already had that one on the menu. So four new flatbreads. Yeah. Uh, well, they, they just constantly evolve for you folks I'm not sure what else we need to tell people Steve tell them to go to Jasper's that's it the soccer thing you're now going to do are you still going to do Virginia soccer are you going to do everything because I know soccer clearly means so much to you 
from such a young age coming up through the ranks and then getting a chance to do MLS, which is of course the highest level of soccer in, in this country, you know, football, college football is, is huge. It's King NFL is the only thing really bigger. I know you're a huge college basketball fan. You've got a national championship coach now to cover and, and call. I, is, is there part of you that just is like, I know you're going to miss the opportunity with Belmont. I know you're going to miss Nashville, but that MLS is kind of special in this country with the way it's growing and, and sort of your opportunity to work there. Yeah, I would like to call soccer some way down in the future just for fun. Um, as you said, this Virginia job and, and these play-by-play jobs, people keep them for a really long time. And um, I want to indulge in in everything that's wonderful about this job and um, hopefully the, the security of it and knowing that I don't have to um, – you know, wonder what games I'm calling next year. Um, I just wait till the football and basketball schedule comes out. Um, so I'm fully focused on football and basketball right now for UVA. If there's ever a chance to, to jump in on a college soccer game, absolutely. If the schedule permits, I'd love to call one um, more just for fun. And, and because I love having a microphone, you know, in front of me for a 90 minute soccer game on a, on a good day. Um, I, I'll miss your know, professional soccer. Um, it, there, there's a bit of a limit, I think, to, um, how far you can take that, uh, in this country, uh, when it comes to, to broadcasting and that's an even more competitive field. Um, to be honest, there's only so many MLS jobs and there's only so many that are, are full time. Um, and there's kind of only so many that, um, you know, will, will open over the next couple of years and there's a broadcast deal and, um, all that coming up. And there's so many question marks in terms of, of soccer broadcasting in the U.S. Um, to be honest, I'm, I'm kind of excited to be excluded from those conversations. Let me, let me ask you specifically about that, because you, when you think about the voices on uh, specifically on the broadcast networks, there's a lot of English voices uh, that are the voice of American soccer. Uh, you know, Ian Dark was the was the national team voice for a long time. Uh the uh, John champions on there right now, Derek Ray has been in there. Um, you know, John strong over on, on Fox is, a, is sort of the rare American voice in there. Uh, do you think that, do you think that it's going to continue to be tough for American voices to appear on soccer broadcasts or, or I should say national soccer broadcasts? Um, I do. I, I really do. Um, I think when it comes to this, this topic, uh, it, it, there's a lot of layers to it. Um, and I think there's a lot of, of reasons why you don't see more American voices on higher end soccer broadcasts. Um, one, uh, there are so few full-time jobs in soccer broadcasting in this country. I mean, it is very, very small. I think there's even some MLS teams that freelance their positions and there's how many MLS teams, 26, then you've and got a shows. few national. <laughs> yeah. Um, the other thing that's really hard about being an American soccer broadcaster um, and why I don't think there's more at the upper levels of it um, is, is two reasons. One, let me just take you through what it's like to be one um, to be an American soccer broadcaster and move your way up. Um, you're going to have to call, start calling soccer at a pretty low level. Um, and by low level, I mean, college soccer, um, maybe, you know, third division. And then if you get lucky at that or get good at that, um, you're going to move up to potentially USL soccer. Um, and USL soccer right now, if you're an American soccer commentator, the majority of it goes through a place called Vista, uh, in Florida, which is producing soccer broadcasts for USL um, and it's kind of like a soccer TV factory. And I've gone and, and called games there. Um, and you're in a, a really dark room with a screen right in front of you. And that's how you call the games. Um, and then the next step up would be MLS. Um, meanwhile, um, this is a global sport. So you're getting broadcasters from all over the world that may be calling higher leagues, doing it in person, bigger productions. Um, and they have interest in these MLS jobs as they should, because a lot of them are really good. So um, as an American, you're just limited 
to the amount of, of opportunities that you can have before you get to that level. Meanwhile, the whole world, um, especially in Europe, has the opportunity to call games at a higher level um, and then apply and, and, and get access to games in the U.S., um, and in a way, be a step down from the level that they're calling. So that's difficult in itself. The other is, um, I think we're, we're getting there, um, but a, a cultural, soccer cultural acceptance of American opinions in the sport being good ones and being valid. Um, and part of it is deserved. You know, we're a, a relatively new soccer culture um in the world's game um and then part of it it, in my opinion is is completely unfounded um so for example like me and um i'm by no means a great soccer broadcaster but i I like to think i know some about the sport i grew up as i said with world-class players as my soccer camp counselors i saw them play um, I've talked to them. Um, they were my coaches. Um, my eighth grade soccer coach coached on the world cup team, uh, that went to the final eight in the world cup. Um, I would like to think that I know some about the sport. Um, but in a way, because, you know, I'm American, um, I, I'm not sure everyone is, is all that accepting of, um, my opinions or at least my understanding of the sport. And, and I get it. It's totally part of the game. Um, but in a way we need to move forward from that. Um, and I think the best way to do that is continue to have success on the field. And this new group of players are our place in the global game as a country, um, should improve. And with that, I think we'll see some more, um, positive acceptance of, not only American voices in the game, but American players in the game. I mean, what was it? Christian Pulisic who went to Chelsea and um, who was the coach before um, the current one? Uh, Lampard. Lampard. Right. Yeah. And he said, you know, there were times where I didn't, I didn't really have him in my starting lineup because he was American. I wasn't quite sure how he'd do. Um, and, and that, 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 that day needs to end. Um, so I think it's just a matter of time before it's okay for, for American voices to participate in the global game. No, no pressure. All you kids, <laughs> no pressure. Yeah. Got to go out and win some, win some matches literally like right now, this week and next actually. Um, John, uh, the soccer language, I, I, I had the pleasure of working with you and seeing how professional you are, how prepared you are, how hardworking you are. And I, I, I find the language of a soccer broadcast even like from Americans, I don't mean from, from, you know, a European broadcaster, but from an American broadcaster, I still find the language to be, it's the way the writers talk. It's the way podcasters talk about it. It's the way people talk about the sport. It is a different, more elegant language. Is there space for that in basketball and football ever? Maybe not, maybe not (laughs) football, but maybe in basketball, is there, is there ever going to be a blending of all of this? Because I do find listening to soccer to be so much, like it's not relaxing, but I just I find it to to make the listen so much easier because of how people talk about the game, and in football it's just not how people talk about the game at all. Yeah, I'll find out. <laughs> um, it's it's become part of my style. Um, and Cav, you know this when um, you watch a, a big European soccer match, the expectations of of the language and and the usage of it. Um, is so much higher, as you mentioned, Braden, than, than what you get with a college basketball or, or pro football broadcast. I don't know. Times change. Um, if you go back and listen to, to any broadcast in America from 30 years ago, it would sound out of place today. Um, broadcasts just don't age that well when it comes to vocabulary and pace and delivery. Um, and, and I do see, I see a, a trend happening in which um, in the future, big plays will need more unique calls. And one of the reasons why, and, and, and I tried to do this when I was at Nashville SC is you go really big with words on a big play, um, more than you would throughout the majority of your broadcast, uh, a lot because social media and 
when a big play happens um, in sports now, that highlight might get seen by a million and a half people. And that game might have been seen by 15,000. Um, so I think that may trickle down. Some of the great goal calls in soccer have elevated those highlights and made them even better and got more eyeballs and um, added to the moment. Um, and I think that may trickle into, in the social era, highlights um, in American sports and a demand for some unique commentary that fits the moment and goes with it. What is there, uh, what is there about Virginia that that you're most looking forward to? Is it a, is it a venue? Is it a, uh, is it a, a particular game, you know, like a particular rivalry game is what is it that you're looking forward to calling the most? The wine. The wine. <laughs> Braden's already planning the trip. Uh, <laughs> hey, hey man, got, we can I have got, the presidential I homes. I got family in the Shenandoah river Valley. I, I'll be up there, baby. Okay. Um, man, I, we'll, we'll get you the tour of Monticello. Get you the vineyards. Gab, you can sleep on the couch. I mean, like, let's do it, boys. Um, I think for me, uh, this is a job I've wanted forever. Um, and it's a school that I love. It's where my dad went to school. It's where my wife went to school. It's where I went to school. Um, very rarely do people have the ability to emotionally connect with the game they call like I do. Um, I was never wanting to be the next voice of the University of Iowa. Um, great school, great program, Texas. Like I, those moments would have been great, uh, but nothing will compare to being able to have these moments with the school that I love. Um, and to me, that's the most rewarding part of it. Uh, and then there, there will be some pinch me moments. Um, Coach K is going to walk by me before a game in about three months. Uh, Notre Dame is coming to Scott stadium uh, on Saturday. And I, I will literally be on the call. Like I still don't <laughs> believe it. Uh, and they're going to have gold helmets that Notre Dame wears. And they're going to be ranked number seven in the country. And it's going to be nearly sold out. Uh, there'll be some moments where I'm just like, it, it, you guys really want me on the call? <laughs> like this, this is real. Like you're, it's not a joke. Um, and I don't know if that'll ever wear off. Um, it hasn't after a couple games that I've called in, in 30 years, I think I'll still have the same giddy feeling. Uh, John, as long as you do every game with that right there, you're going to be just fine. You're, you're going to be just fine. Um, yeah. uh, Steve, do you want to ask about the, the podcast or do you want, you want me to ask about this? Because I, I am fascinated with um, how you put together tapes, how you put together reels. If you have advice for young broadcasters on how you mm. go back and find that and, we can, we can do this through the lens of the latest Club and Country podcast, of course. Go check it out. Rate, review, subscribe. Wes and Tim do a wonderful job. Uh, but they did pull together a bunch of your highlights and throw them together into a fantastic montage. And so, n number one, emotions you hear when you hear that. But number two, advice for younger broadcasters on collecting their stuff, listening to their stuff, you know, uh, air checking themselves. Like, what advice do you have? Because you've clearly done a lot of that, you know, over, over the course of your career. A lot of advice, um, some that I wish I had followed a lot earlier. Um, and the advice isn't because I'm wise. The advice has become I, because I made a lot of mistakes. Um, and it is so cliche to say, be yourself um, when you broadcast. Um, that is good enough. Uh, and for the longest time in my career, uh, I would listen to someone and say, I want to sound like that or... Um, I had an idea of what I should sound like and tried to sound like it. And it was really bad. Um, I don't have a huge booming voice. If you go back and listen to some of my tapes from 10 years ago, I think I did Virginia lacrosse at that point. And it's like face off Virginia lacrosse, like super deep. Uh, and I'm like, that's not my voice. And I was trying to fake it. Um, <laughs> and, and only recently, I mean, truly I'm 34 years old. Only late in my 20s or 30s was I just like, you know, this isn't working. Maybe I should just try being myself uh, on the air and, and getting demos that sound like me and um, that have my personality in them. Um, and only then really did my career start progressing forward at the pace that I wanted it to. Um, so you hear a lot of broadcasters always trying to be someone else or trying to change their voice or 
um, trying to use words that you know, are way out of their vocabulary, or maybe they're really, really smart. And they're trying to dumb down their broadcast. Um, whatever it is, you know, you have your own style and in a way you don't even get to choose it. It's just you. Um, and, and I, I do encourage broadcasters to follow that advice because the last thing you want is to cut a demo in which you sound like someone you're not, and then get hired to be that person and show up to the first day and have to act, um, as someone else for the rest of your broadcasting career. How much do you, uh, uh, from a very technical level, uh, when you start a broadcast, how much are you stretching out the pipes ahead of time? What do you, what are you doing to, before you walk into a, walk into a booth to call a game? Scotch, a natural... scotch, 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 scotch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Nashville to me, I would never have gotten here if I hadn't moved to Nashville for a lot of, of reasons. Um, when I moved to Nashville and got the Nashville SC job, I, I located that I had a really big issue with my voice and big moments. Um, and I still struggle with it. Like those times when my voice cracks or it just doesn't able to get the, the volume or tone out that I want. And, um, when I moved to Nashville and got the Nashville SC job, I, I had a, a couple of really bad calls. I mean, I did, I flat out admit it. I, I cringe when I hear them. Um, and thankfully because I was in Nashville, there's a voice coach around every block. Uh, and, and I signed up for one, uh, and, uh, her name was Reba Otto and she's a tremendous singer. And, um, she had a, a voice coach, uh, program and I went to her house and we practiced really ridiculous vocal routines that pushed me out of my comfort level. Um, and she gave me a vocal warm up routine that I still use to this day. Um, and, uh, my wife thinks it's hilarious because, it involves taking a really hot, steamy shower and then doing like 20 minutes of the most ridiculous, like nasal and vocal noises that can come out of your, your mouth. Um, and I, I do it before every broadcast um, and it helps. Some people just walk out with golden pipes and can say whatever they want to say, how they want to say it and have perfect inflection. Um, I think as you're asking me to give broadcasters advice, um, know your weaknesses um, and one of my weaknesses is I don't have a, a really naturally booming, um, gorgeous sounding voice. And I'm aware of that. Um, and I work with what I have. Um, so yeah, a lot of vocal, vocal warmups and routines and uh, all of the above. I, I think, uh, John, you're, you're very hard on yourself. Um, but listening, I hope people that have listened to this and listened to you talk have picked up on all of the effort that you have put into being where you are and having been alongside you as a broadcaster, again, you're right. They will give anyone a spot to call in a soccer match in Nashville. If I, Not true. We had if I somehow, if I somehow got on the broadcast, but uh, don't, don't sell yourself short on this. You've earned every bit of it. Nashville is going to be worse off without you. And uh, listen, you leave Belmont undefeated. So thanks for hanging out. With, <laughs> thanks for hanging out with us. We do appreciate it. Um, thank you for giving all the, the the tips and the advice. And, you know, maybe there's a bunch of people in Tennessee now that are going to be listening to uh, Wahoo basketball for the first time ever. So thank you. John. Yeah. And then and then a thank you to you guys. I mean, Cav, I know you listen. Uh, Braden, I know you listen, too. And um, sometimes you just when you're on the radio or TV, for that matter, you, you just talking to a microphone. You can't see your audience. Um, and to know that that we have people in the Nashville market that are not only part of the media, but also critiquing the media um, and holding them to a high standard. That's, that's necessary. Um, and, and I appreciate the role that you guys had in that, having a little bit of pressure and knowing that you're listening and knowing that um, you, you guys are demanding a lot out of the broadcasters of the city is, is important. Um, and delivering the best product of these sports sports teams. So thank you for that. And then uh, Braden, you in particular, some continued friendship and advice. And um, sometimes there was some moments where I was a little down on the broadcasting career and you gave me a lot of advice and support. So I appreciate that too, brother. Well, thank you, man. Best of luck and uh, safe travels. And uh, we'll be watching when when uh, that, that nine-seated Belmont knocks off two-seated Virginia this year, all right? Oh man. Uh, that means we're both at least in the second round. <laughs> so I'd be happy with that. Sorry. Sorry. Nine and nine and one. My bad.
My apologies. Uh, okay. Yeah, that would be the second round, too. It's still second um, round. <laughs> let's just meet in the championship game. There Butler you know, versus Duke style, something there, like that. There you have it. Uh, John, thank Thanks, you, man. Guys. We really appreciate it. Safe travels, bud. Love it. Appreciate it. That was John Freeman, of course, uh, formerly of Nashville SC, sort of formerly of Belmont, now currently of the Virginia Cavaliers. And I, I will say this as a guy who um, I, I am very biased in this situation. Uh, I worked with him a couple of times on the TV broadcasts, uh, a couple of times in the radio broadcast. I was, can I make an announcement here on the show? Sure. I was, Break some news. I was set to work with him as uh, like a pseudo sideline reporter for Belmont. I'll be doing a few games this year. Very excited about working with what could be the best Belmont team maybe ever. Who knows? Uh, but excited to do some sideline reporting for, for a basketball team here in Nashville. I was excited to work with John. And then he pulled the rug out from underneath me. So uh, I'm a little upset about that. But Virginia's getting a great one. He is a consummate professional, thoughtful, kind, uh, hardworking, all the things. I can't, I can't come up with any more adjectives to describe John. I'm a big John Freeman fan, Cavendish, if you haven't figured this out yet. Same here. And uh, I'm just sorry that he's not going to be calling more soccer. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe he gets to sneak on to, uh, to a Cavaliers uh, soccer uh, broadcast. But I mean, football and football and basketball are going to are going to eat all of his time. So I, I, I wish him the best. And, and I and honestly, I, I, I spent la- I spent last night trying to find where I could where I could get Cavs broadcasts on there so I could so I could <laughs> check him out here soon. John is a good one. And we wish him the best of luck. And yeah, I guess if you want to tune into Tony Bennett and Ronco Mendenhall basketball or football games, go check out John Freeman. I, I wouldn't be shocked, though, Steve, if he wasn't back doing some form of soccer at some point in his life, if if Virginia allows him to. I wouldn't be surprised. I, I would hope that he got that he gets to pop up on uh, yeah. on, on some on some telecast somewhere, whether it's, you know, whether it's MLS or whether it's something else. It would just be a lot of fun. Yes, absolutely. It would. All right. Let's get into ratings and recommendations. We'll We'll touch on the. The, the Adam Schefter stuff here uh, as well in just a second. Let's do ratings first and because I know we were talking last week about what the World Series Game 6 would do, of course, the Braves clinching game uh, to win the World Series here in Nashville. Obviously, care, people care deeply about that. Do you have a guess as to what Game 6 World Series did? Do you want so to venture? It, is it in the top five? It is number three. I'm going to guess. I'm going to guess it did an 18. Not quite. Good guess, though. Basically a 14, 13.9 for World Series. It was number three. Number two was the Packers and Chiefs, which I guess was Jordan Love, which is 15.8. Also two big brands on on the right time slot. Titans Rams, 26.8. So ugly offensive showing, but but really impressive win on a nationally televised time slot was like the fourth or fifth rated Titans game this year. Uh, That one's interesting to me. That's interesting because because they led that entire game. I mean, you know, they got they got a you know, they get some cheap points early and held on. I'm surprised, although you know, staying up late on a Sunday night if you've been watching football. I, I mean, and maybe because it was like twenty, I think it was like twenty eight to nine for a while there in the fourth quarter. Maybe that's what people weren't watching. I I'm, I was actually kind of shocked at this number. I there's a bunch of Titans games that have been in the twenty nines. And for this one to be a 26.8, which again, is not a huge drop, but you're on the biggest night of television on interesting that Monday night is a, the Monday night broadcast is bigger than this. I, maybe the game, maybe it really is just the last eight minutes of the game need to be that exciting to, to boost that number over the, over the hump. Maybe, I mean, that maybe that's what it was because it was a boring last five minutes, let's say, which is very unusual for Titans games. Normally the last five minutes are very stressful. Um, number three world series, as I mentioned, 13.9 sec, Football, Tennessee, Kentucky, 11.4. So the World Series, Game 6 Braves, beat Tennessee's upset of Kentucky, of course. Uh, one of those on Fox, one of those on ESPN, 11.4. And then the Broncos-Cowboys, which was bizarre, uh, 9.8 rating overall. So there are your ratings. Uh, of course, uh, courtesy of Mark Benda, News Channel 5, each rating point equivalent to about 11,000 TV homes. So World Series, number three. SEC football, number four. There you go. Uh, all right. Do you want to? Do you want to quickly address... Adam Schefter wrapped around or wrapped inside of a recommendation. Is that what we want to do here? Yeah, Schefter stepped in it this week. I mean, if you if you haven't been following, he tweeted out the one side of what looks like a very two-sided domestic dispute uh, between Dalvin Cook uh, and his partner. And, and the problem is 
the the agent who was who was giving him this information was definitely trying to get ahead of what was going to be a very bad story for his client. I, I there's there's a bunch written on this on Twitter and and elsewhere, and it's been a bad year for Schefter so far, who who did not come off. Uh, who did not come off well in that in the Raiders report here a few week uh, a few weeks ago? This doesn't look particularly good either. My guess is they're having a lot of discussions about sourcing. And if you want to read something really interesting on sourcing, I'm going to recommend uh, the Verge, which is a which is a tech site that's a um, affiliated with kind of uh, I think it's a Vox property has a has a piece up right now called On Background, and it is their leadership talking about what they mean when we say on background versus off the record and the list of abuses that have been made in terms of on background by either communications professionals or public relations professionals on behalf of, uh, of all these tech companies, they, they cover the tech, they cover the tech sector, abusing on background in order to, in order to twist narratives or kind of, kind of sugarcoat bad stories. It, it, it's a fascinating piece. Uh, because it gets into it gets into sort of all that, and I think that every in the wake of the Schefter thing, everybody should be having these sort of conversations, kind of internally about sourcing and about relationships with agents, and letting them <laughs> let letting them use you and use your use your platform in order to shape in order to shape a narrative ahead of a of a potentially really bad story. I, I'm curious. And you, you, you and I are probably not qualified to answer this, but I am curious of the evolution of Adam Schefter's reporting. Uh, Robert, my recommendation is Robert Klemko. The the thread he he basically sort of lays out the entire issue, right? Like right. here's here's how this happened. Here's how the sausage is made on why Adam Schefter was given this information, why he was why he was given it, how he was given it, when you know, it kind of lays it all out. And and I think go go read the thread from Robert Klemko on Twitter. I'm just like. Do you think it's just because when you get to a certain point that there's just a different set of guidelines or like this is not ESPN sort of, you know, taking their foot off the ethical pedal necessarily. It's Adam Schefter making some mistakes, but I just there's no way this is what he's done his entire career. Right. Like that doesn't seem. Yeah. I mean, I think alarm bells should go off when when you're in a situation where the reporting is outside the mainstream of what your beat specifically is. I mean, so he's an NFL reporter, but he's mainly there to, to focus on the game and the teams and the players. And in this sort of, in this sort of extrajudicial setting here, I'm, right, that's, right. that's the wrong word, but I mean, in this sort of judicial setting, that's getting into areas which are, which are kind of like usually outside his portfolio. And if I were Schefter, alarm bells should have been going off that, I'm having this conversation with an agent and it's not about like extending cook's contract or it's not about, you know, incentives on the back end of a, a on the back end that are going to pay off about X and Y and Z well, that, that should have, that should have been a signal to him that, you know, maybe this is not the, the, the this is not the news to break. And, and there's nothing wrong with him taking and accepting that information. It's no, it's, it's what you do with it once you get it. And apparently, and this again, according like Clemco kind of says, lays this out for you. Like, all of the information was available over here. <laughs> like you right. could have gone and done some more digging and confirmed some of this stuff and done some work to figure it out. And it feels like maybe uh, lazy is not the right word for, but for transmitting Schefter. uncritically is, yes. yes, is, is bad. And it's all, everything we're going to do on the show from now on is all going to tie back to Jim Wyatt talking about strong editors. <laughs> <laughs> I have a feeling you're going to make that happen in some way, shape or form uh, back to good editors doing their jobs to keep good reporters accountable and ethical and doing all the right things. So, so, so if you don't, uh, so if you don't want to, to delve into the morass of, uh, of, of sourcing and, and domestic violence issues, uh, let me give you two more quick recommendations. Uh, I've mentioned Grant Wall's Substack on here before he dropped a story that's free for everyone on there this Ooh. week about, about playing in Eastern Europe uh, and this, this little team called FC Sheriff. Uh, in in a subsection of Moldova that's still Russian controlled, it is a wild story about uh, resources and uh, oligarchs and all sorts of crazy stuff and borders and it's I don't want to I love about, a good story about it's oligarchs. A, 
it is the it is the big takeout feature that you would expect to read in someplace like Sports Illustrated 10 or 15 years ago. Hmm. Uh, but it's on it's on Wall's Substack. It's free for you. It's fantastic. The other thing is um, New York Times Magazine. There was a there was a really good piece over the weekend called The Untold Story of Sushi. Um, <laughs> and it's about the relationship between the Unification Church and all of the uh, the control of the fishing operations both domestically and abroad. I, I laughed when I saw that because a colleague of mine at the at the Chicago Tribune, Monica Ng, wrote this story like 15 years ago and, and so it wasn't it hasn't been untold but if you want to if you want to find her story that's in my that's in my Twitter feed or just search Monica Ng Twitter sushi Tribune and sushi and you can find it there as well. But both of them absolutely fascinating stories about kind of like where the fish that gets to your sushi plate comes from. It's great stuff. I, I I feel like you're up to like five recommendations now. I feel like on the show. I did. I think, I think I, reached... but I got them in. I did them really quick. So you did. So. You, did you did. You did them shorter than you you would diagnose one episode of Bosch. I think actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, I will say this about Grant Wall's Substack and and how successful he is. Are you suggesting that? Having a massive audience on Substack is not, in fact, being canceled. Are you suggesting that? I, I am. Okay, <laughs> that's a deep cut for people I mean, that. That's a deep cut. You if can you, know, you can take that for take that for whatever you want to. Yeah, uh, if, here's to, here's to the future of higher education. <laughs> Steve Steve knows what I'm referencing, and if you do, cheers to you. Beers on me next time I see you. That is for sure. Uh, Steve, where can people find you, man? In fact, I'll buy you a beer at Jasper's. Yeah, there you go. There we go. Hey, hey, look at that. Jazz branding. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Scavendish. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram at Scavendish, in which you can see uh, a giant stack of chicken stock that I made uh, over, over the weekend. So, so go find that. And if you'd like to eat professionally prepared chicken stock, go to Jasper's. I don't even. I actually don't even know if they have it on the menu, but go to Jasper's. They have something great. They have a new menu, uh, all kinds of fun stuff. Great happy hour, great parking, all that great stuff. Go to Jasper's, everybody. For Steve Cavendish, my name is Braden Golf. Thank you to John Freeman, and congratulations on his dream job. We wish him the best of luck in Charlottesville. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been Lamestream Sports here on the 440 Sports Network.